0: You are Locked On NFL,
1: your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Welcome in NFL fans we have officially concluded week one of the NFL season and it feels so right we're very excited to be here with you on today's Tuesday episode of locked on NFL this football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season pepsi is a refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers these passionate fans are the real generational talent that pepsi fuels because pepsi isn't made for those who play the game it's made for those who watch it pepsi made for football watching on today's episode of locked on nfl you've got myself ross jackson at ross jackson nola on twitter host of locked on saints joined Every Tuesday, by my good friend, good buddy, good pal, Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL, host of the Locked On Vikings podcast, the illustrious show over in Minnesota. And then today, we're going to be giving, we're going to be uh, running through a lot because we got a lot to get through today. We're going to recap all the primetime games Sunday night, both of the Monday night games. We had the big header there giving you all that you need to know about all three of those games. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the teams that Luke and I are already kind of concerned about through the first week, as well as hit some teams that maybe uh, you don't need to be as worried about. So we'll talk through a few of those, find out if your favorite team is on that list in the second segment. And then to close out the show, we're joined by Kate Majuk from over at locked on dynasty, talking some fantasy football with us, letting us know how we need to, uh, what kind of moves we need to make over the week, in order to win our games, because uh, neither Luke nor myself were very successful in fantasy football this week. So we're trying to get that get right, and Kate came through to help us, and she'll help you as well. Luke, very excited to get started on today's Locked on NFL. How are you, man? Good. Super excited to talk to Kate. I desperately
0: need help. It's it's getting ugly over here.
2: (laughs) It was really rough for me this week as well, and she's going to take care of us. But before we get to all of that, we have some uh, NFL action to recap. A very, very exciting couple of days, Monday night, two, sorry, Sunday night, two Monday night games to wrap up. So let's start off with the Sunday night game, the Dallas, uh, Dallas Cowboys traveling to Los Angeles, take on the Los Angeles Rams, SoFi Stadium, gorgeous, beautiful space, uh, opening up some of the Los Angeles Rams action there. The Rams take that one home 20 to 17. What were some of your initial impressions about this game?
0: Yeah the the game came out Um, I mean I I was really excited to watch like Dak and Goff those are two of the quarterbacks I was like most curious about and they I I guess I was surprised to see this one as low scoring as it was but I guess the two defenses I mean you can expect them to to kind of put something up but the Cowboys came away from this one I feel like with a whole bunch of things to be frustrated about not only I mean losing but the way they lost with that controversial fourth down decision that Mike McCarthy made Um, personally I'm okay with it but it's like a whole thing and a whole bunch of injuries too so there there's a lot to be – with with Dallas, there's there's a lot to be frustrated with in this one. But on the other side, for the Rams, I mean, to hang on to that one is great. Win your stadium opener, that's a huge thing. I remember yeah. being super nervous that the Vikings were going to blow theirs a few years ago when U.S. Bank opened. So it, that's a huge thing to, to hang your hat on. Um, but that one, I mean, it was a, a sleepy affair, but it was, uh, I think – I I guess there's more takeaways for the losers than there are for the winners for me, but I don't know. What do you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that really stood out for me in this game was just sort of the, the style that we saw from the Los Angeles Rams. It was a little bit different than what we're accustomed to from them. We're sort of accustomed to them being this run and gun uh, trigger, happy gunslinging type of offense with, Sean McVay always coming out in 11 personnel and ready to get the ball down the field score quickly. But they came out in this game and just dominated time of possession, 35 minutes, 38 seconds to the Dallas Cowboys, 24 minutes, 22 seconds. They uh, also had 153 yards on the ground, rushing Jared Goff throwing for just 275 yards, quote unquote, just 275 yards. I feel like anytime we see anything under 300 yards, we call it just these days, Uh, but he had an interception. And then really it was Malcolm Brown that carried this team in terms of scoring with two touchdowns on 18 carries, 79 yards on the ground there. So it was one of those games where you really saw something a bit different come out of the Los Angeles Rams, which you might feel accustomed to. I don't know if maybe it was just that they hit that groove and and that's what worked. But I kind of assumed that we would see more of these run-heavy offenses early in the season, just you know, in terms of communication, cohesion, execution, things like that. The passing game was probably going to struggle a little bit at the beginning of the season with the lack of offseason, but we really saw the Rams capitalize on uh, getting a good run game going up against a really stout front seven.
0: Yeah, a little bit of 2017-2018 McVay, which should be mm-hmm. really hype for uh, Rams fans to hear. The interesting thing about the the time of possession, though, is that they ran almost the exact same number of plays. Mm-hmm. 73 plays for the Rams, 72 plays for the Cowboys. So I, I don't, I'm i not a huge fan of time of possession because what that really means is that the Rams were ahead and they were running, and that ran more time off the clock, so you get more time of possession. But they actually had the same number of plays, of course the same number of drives because you have to. So the, the actual, like – opportunities the Cowboys had were plenty sufficient they just came up short
2: yeah absolutely and you saw really I mean in terms of translating that into the run game exactly as you're saying the Rams 40 total runs in this game, which includes some scrambles uh, as opposed to the uh, Dallas Cowboys 27. So you saw the Dallas Cowboys, who had 136 rushing yards, had some big chunk runs. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott himself, 22 carries, 96 yards and a touchdown. But what you saw from the Rams, 40 rushing attempts was them chewing away that clock later on in the game. And they just happened to be able to take control when they needed to to put it away.
0: Yeah, and then I think the only other thing that that bears mentioning is that fourth and three, where right. uh, Mike McCarthy down three, it's you know down seventeen to twenty. You have the ball in field goal range on a fourth and three. Go for it. Don't get it. Lose seventeen twenty. Um, He talks later about uh, after the game, he talks about how analytics basically says you should go for it. The math says you should go for it in that. Um, And I I kind of agree because tying that game at that point in it doesn't really do a lot for me. You give the Rams the ball in a tie game and it's a Sean McVay offense in a tie game. I don't love that situation. I kind of like going like this, the difference between that and being down three in that situation isn't like huge to me. Um, So I I like going for the win, even though it didn't work out for him that time. I I kind of agree with McCarthy on that. One.
2: yeah no I completely agree on that one as well it is very much a uh, no risk it no biscuit type of a situation because again you just put yourself in a situation to where you've had you know you've been facing this offense against the Rams that has been able to move the ball against you and so can you really put this one away with that four-point lead there uh, or should I mean sorry without that four-point lead there or should you go out there and make it you know to where they need to score a touchdown to get past you uh, I-, I completely understand and I don't think that um I think he's getting a lot of heat, but I won't be providing or stoking the flames at all because I, I agree well, both with you and that decision. Uh, let's jump over to the Monday night games. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers get away with a 26-16 win visiting the New York Giants in the Meadowlands. Uh, this one was a little bit of a – this one kind of felt like a little sleepy-ish as well throughout most of it, but then started to pick up toward the end. I thought the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense in particular looked pretty good. What stood out for you in this game? is definitely the Pittsburgh
0: defensive line. You know, they mm-hmm. just signed Cam Hayward to that extension. You got Stefan Tuitt, who I've been a huge fan of since, since yeah. he came out of the draft. Um, you know, of course, TJ Watt. So the, all of those guys really felt like they broke the Giants' entire offense. And the Giants yeah. really couldn't. The Giants, to me, in this one kind of felt like a team that was scared to win it. And mm-hmm. they ran a lot of screens because they were scared of that defensive line. They punted in situations where other teams would have go, gone for it because they were afraid of, oh, well, what happened? The, the Giants kind of played scared. And I, I think that extends to, to Daniel Jones as well, who did a couple of really baffling things under pressure, yeah. heaving the ball up, and then suddenly there's defensive line, two defensive line interceptions. That's a big <laughs> problem. So I kind of feel like the Giants, I, I, I hate to like pull the super like masculinity thing, but the Giants kind of need to grow a pair. They're <laughs> to win a game, man.
2: Come on, you're Joe Judge. Judge. What are you doing? Yeah, Joe Judge, like the entire offseason was about being like this hard-nosed guy, right? And then all of a sudden, where is that persona when it comes out to winning this, you know, to competing during this opening Monday night game on national television? On top of that, so much excitement around Daniel Jones, and unfortunately just didn't come to it. I think one of the biggest disappointments in this game for me, uh personally, was uh Evan Ingram, not just from the fantasy football perspective, Evan, but am oh, disappointed just,
0: from the fantasy football. perspective. Oh yeah, I
2: don't. <laughs> but uh, you know, he really struggled. Uh, he was targeted seven times in this game, two catches, nine yards. He had one nice big catch and everything that he started celebrating, but it got called the uh, the offensive pass interference on the push off, which is a little ticky tacky. I'm not gonna lie, but you know, um, it, that that was uh, he was kind of a disappointment for me there. And then, of course, we had the injury to James Conner. Uh, which opened up a lot of opportunity for Benny Snell Jr. He came into the league last year. 19 carries, 113 yards on a uh, 5.9 yard per carry average for Benny Snell. I don't know what it is about the Pittsburgh Steelers and even the Los Angeles Chargers to an extent. They just always seem to have that next running back ready to go.
0: Yeah, I think there's something about like a change of pace, you know, a guy with a different style that you didn't scout and you didn't really prepare for as much,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, that, that can do it. But I think some of it might just be some confirmation bias. You know, sometimes a guy comes in, a pair a fair a pair of fresh legs halfway through the game can just do something and it it doesn't necessarily um reflect too much on it like long term. Yeah. Um but maybe let's move to the other Monday night game uh, just to keep things rolling here. This was the weirdest game of my life. It really was. <laughs> uh, so Tennessee ends up winning 16 to 14 in a game that was really dominated by special teams. Mm-hmm. I, there's a lot to talk about in like offense, you know, defenses of course played well. Both teams kept their opponent under 20, but the special teams is the headline here because Steven Gostowski goes Uh, what, two for five? He misses three field goals and an extra point. And then the game comes down to a Steven Gustavsky field goal through a bizarre clock management sequence where Vic Fangio watching the Titans drive down for the game winning field goal attempt lets the clock run. I think in the assumption that Gustavsky was going to miss and then you'll, you know, you'll have less clock to run out on the other side after he misses. And then it's like a 30-yard field goal and he makes it. So I am baffled by this one. Weird special teams. The broadcast said the words epic punt at some point. And- <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) It's a very, very strange game. But the Titans, I guess, escape with a win, which is pretty impressive for an East Coast team playing a game that late in altitude. Um, You know, even though it was a sloppy, dirty one, uh, that's that's a, a, a win you can hang your hat on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Gaskowski had missed three straight field goals before that. He went 0-3 and, and then nailed in that fourth one. One of them, of course, was also blocked. This is an interesting game altogether. I mean, we talked about how strange there were moments of this game. Rashawn Evans punches Jake, Butt. he gets ejected in this game as well. There was just so there were so many kind of different wild things going on throughout this um you know Jadavion Clowney uh shows up on the stat sheet you know they end up getting him he had one tackle for a loss a hit on the quarterback and then a few tackles but outside of that was uh you know drew lock was kept pretty clean for most of for most of this night which is good i mean he didn't go down he wasn't sacked at all during this game but still it was just kind of you know they were down Cortland sutton they were down kj hamler a lot of these weapons that we were very excited to see with this very young denver broncos team that averages it's whose average age is 25 years old flat um you know the youngest team in the nfl and you know melvin gordon looked pretty good 5.2 yard average for him derrick henry though 31 carries 116 yards i mean this was this was an, an interesting game but i i did not think that this went the way that i expected it to at all especially as you mentioned with that big that big sort of disparity in terms of the time zone for the tennessee titans having to play that late in mountain time
0: yeah my my hottest take for this one especially after watching this game i'm going to keep to this take is that we see this game again in january
2: in memphis oh i like it i like it a lot and i'm looking forward to that i think this would be a very good matchup and the denver broncos are a very exciting young team so these are obviously We're in nashville two- why did i say memphis Nashville. Oh yeah, I just kind of yeah. No, I Nashville. I got you. Um, but yes, though. No, so these are two teams that we're obviously uh, pretty excited about. But we have some teams that we're not necessarily feeling too hot about, right, Luke? And we'll get to those here in just a moment. This season, get your football on your time
0: with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all of the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. And my favorite thing is the All 22. I love looking into the coach's tape, looking in, like, just looking at stuff like, was Ryan Hill good on, on plays where there wasn't play action? We'll talk about that. Um, and just being able to sort through all that stuff with Game Pass is my favorite. NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from some of the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devonte Adams, and many more. NFL game pass also provides access to the entire NFL films archive. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL game pass where football never stops and where I would watch the Vikings America's game. If there ever was one.
2: All right, everybody, we are back here at Locked on NFL. Ross Jackson here joined by Luke Braun, Locked on Saints, Locked on Vikings. Very glad to be here with you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, the follow button on whatever platform it is that you're catching the show here at Locked on NFL. We have an all-star lineup for you all across the show this week. Uh, we just talked a little bit about the primetime games, sort of broke those down for you a bit. But now we kind of want to shift away from the teams that we're excited about. You know, we were talking about the, the Titans and the Broncos, potentially seeing them again later on this year. But now we want to talk about some of the teams that we might be a little bit concerned about after the early going here. And Luke, I'll kick us off uh, because, you know, we just talked about the Titans and the AFC South. So I'm going to stick to the AFC South theme. For a while here and i 'm going to take the uh, Indianapolis Colts. I mean them dropping this game, Indianapolis to the Jacksonville Jaguars of all teams, literally the team that I imagined came into this game and kind of almost won it by accident. I was just really kind of shocked at how uh, this game ended up working out because for me. The the Indianapolis Colts came in, not necessarily in a rebuilding mode, but sort of as if they were ready to put something together with a new leader in Philip Rivers, who came in Uh, Jacoby Brissett got a couple of snaps as well when Philip Rivers had to come off the field. But Rivers throws two interceptions in this game. Of course, we have the big time injury to Marlon Mack. But Naeem Hines steps in, who we'll talk a little bit more about later. Jonathan Taylor looked pretty okay during his time. But there was just – just didn't feel like there was enough here for the Indianapolis Colts, who I thought were in a position to really start off this season on a hot streak, starting off against the Jacksonville Jaguars and potentially building some confidence here.
0: Yeah, and I know that Evan over there at at On Colts is really, really hyped on the secondary, and the secondary got worked, and it, I was really surprised, because I was kind of with him on that secondary, that Xavier Rhodes, I'm really familiar with him, uh, but maybe he's just never going to get it back, there's Kenny Moore, who I think, who just signed an extension, I think he very much deserved it, Rakia I was high on, coming into this season, and all of those guys kind of got rocked by like LaVisca Chenault, who I didn't think was supposed to be ready to play even. I thought he was supposed to be too raw his rookie year and it was going to be kind of a, a slow go for him. He yeah. came out firing Gardner Minshew, picking apart this Colt secondary to like DJ Chark and Keelan Cole and all these guys. Like that is, I think the biggest source of concern to me because there are better wide receiver cores than what Jacksonville, I think Jacksonville's wide receiver is underrated. But I mean, if you expect to, to pop into a game against like AJ Brown, if they have to play them right like or if you Mm -hmm. you expect to be able to beat a team like the chiefs that's gonna put a big damper on like this i think the super bowl expectations that the colts kind of came into the season with i don't think you signed philip rivers if you don't think you're going you're trying to go all the way and this is not how you're supposed to start that
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, man, it was, it was a really disappointing sort of display. And look, uh, you know, they're, they're in a position now to where hopefully you learn from this, but it just feels like it's one of those moments to where you end up feeling a little bit, um, uh, I, I guess like the, the confidence gets rocked in a game like this where you give up three touchdowns to to Gardner Minshew to where you know you get worked by you know this undrafted free agent running back that no one has really heard of in in James Robinson you have you know LaVisca Chenault as you mentioned the defense just struggling you know they did get four sacks over on the defensive side so there's still some positives here to work with but you know forgive me but I'm a little concerned about the Indianapolis Colts moving forward uh who would you say is another team that you're concerned about here
0: Yeah, another team that lost uh, and a team dealing with some injuries here too. I'm really worried about Philadelphia because they got up to a real big lead against Washington and they completely fell apart. And it's the way that they fell apart that really concerns me because it was injuries again. And this has been a bugaboo in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. for a couple of years now. Carson Wentz seemed to be doing the best that he could there, but you lost Brandon Graham. You had, you lost a couple of offensive linemen. They were really, really down to their depth and it's week one. We've got a long way to go. And if the Eagles can't stay healthy and, and the unhealthy version of the Eagles is losing to Dwayne Haskins and the Washington football team, that's really concerning, especially, I mean, they luckily both Dallas and New York also lost. So the division isn't, Um, isn't exactly getting away from them just yet, but that's really scary. Uh, -hmm. and especially because, I mean, if we're worried about an injury bugaboo and your quarterback is Carson Wentz is, are we going to get a full season out of him? And if we don't, this, the team around him is going to be too hurt to to pick up the slack.
2: Yeah, no, I, I completely hear you. And I think that one of the, one of the things that's most concerning to me, about the Eagles is exactly that because you have an offensive line that maybe struggled because look, Washington's defensive line is insanely talented. It's incredibly talented. And maybe that's really what we saw in terms of the Philadelphia offensive line having some trouble there, but, or I guess I'm being nice when I say having some trouble, but you know, when it comes down to what this defense did, uh, you know, racking up eight sacks and 13 tackles for a loss, 15 quarterback hits by this uh, this Washington defense. That's not great for your quarterback when you know that that quarterback is somebody that you have to have those injury injury concerns about.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think this is, I mean, this is the overreaction of week one. And if they can get healthy and they can pull it together, I don't think the NFC East is going to be a, a division that takes 11 wins to to actually take the crown. Right. But you, I, it's going to be hard to like feel the team and it's going to be hard to see a way that they get, you know, 910 wins.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to continue my AFC South trend and then go all the way back to Thursday night, the Houston Texans. It's not really going to talk much about their defense. It's just the offense for me. Deshaun Watson gets his new big contract here over the over the offseason, but still an offensive line in front of him that you know, four sacks allowed in this game. Some of them might have been on him for sure. And then you just have to be a little bit worried about the skill position players around him david johnson had a nice showing 11 carries 77 yards and a touchdown but how long can he stay healthy will fuller had a great day eight i'm sorry eight catches for 112 yards 31 of them coming on one pass late in the game however on that nice switch that uh confused the the chiefs defense a bit but then behind him you had a 39 yard receiver as your second leading receiver with uh, Jordan Akins. And so I'm a little bit concerned just because it doesn't feel like there's enough weapons around this Houston offense.
0: And that's super unfortunate because they – did quite a bit to try to get more weapons. I mean, they, they went for David Johnson at the cost of DeAndre Hopkins, of course, and they really, really felt the dividends from that because now your best two receivers, your top two receivers were Akins and Fuller, to say mm-hmm. nothing of Brandon Cooks, who was not nearly as much of a factor as they needed him to be there. And even Fuller having like eight catches for, what was it, 71 yards? Like, that's a decent game, but there were still some drops. And yep. that, for Will Fuller specifically, is, is such... Uh, the real thing that Mm -hmm. yeah that's really I mean you have to put a better cast around Deshaun Watson especially if you're going to give him a big extension like that you can't hang him out to dry by putting him behind an offensive line like that and having him throw to weapons that are just straight up unreliable
2: yeah absolutely and I'm not going to go too much into the Houston defense because they were going up against the Kansas City Chiefs offense you know what I mean (laughs)
0: But I will go into. Uh, I'm going to stick into the AFC South. We're going to
2: really go yes, hard at the. Yeah, join me over here. We're coming <laughs> at the AFC South today. Tony Wiggins is going to love this Uh,
0: because I'm going to talk about the Titans, even though uh, they won the game, even though I just earlier in the podcast still predicted that they would win the South and I still hold to that, but I'm getting a little worried Mm -hmm. uh, because the way they won this game was a little sloppy, right? Like Denver had chances to win this game and they kind of shot themselves in the foot. And I I, I think that any reasonable Titans fans, I would imagine the Titans themselves are walking away thinking they kind of got away with one. And I think a big thing is Ryan Tannehill, When Ryan Tannehill doesn't have play action, what I need to see from him is that he can work in a a more standard situation because play action is a luxury and it's it's a luxury that some teams decline because they're stupid and they don't run it enough and the Titans run it a ton but game situation puts you in a place all the time where you can't run play action either a two-minute drill uh when you have any sort of uh deficit and any kind of situation where running isn't really an option you can't fake the run and then that's going to take care of a whole bunch uh that's going to get rid of a whole bunch of Ryan Tannehill's best plays Mm -hmm. and so is he going to? be able to put the team on his back in that situation you know are you going to be able to keep up in a shootout with a team like the Chiefs are you going to be able to to keep up with with Deshaun Watson or whatever and you know get your get get your offense going in a way that doesn't rely on something that you're just not always going to have access to yeah I'm a little worried about it
2: yeah, no, that's completely understandable. It's really understandable. I've always said of Ryan Tannehill, particularly at last season. You know, he actually took over from Marcus Mariota in the Denver game last year, opening up the season against Denver this year. And my thing about Ryan Tannehill is that he does a very good job turning around and handing the ball off to Derrick Henry. <laughs> that's that's the thing that he does very very well. And so you know, as long as he continues to pay dividends from that, that's great. But as you say, what else? Yeah, what else in a
0: two minute drill, you don't have right. that. Like, right. in, you know, if you're down two scores in the fourth quarter and you want to try to make a comeback, you don't have that. And no matter how good you are, that's going to happen. That's a situation that happens. You're down two scores in the fourth quarter and you know, the great teams find a way and I don't see what that path is for the Titans.
2: All right. So those are the teams that uh, maybe we're a little concerned about, but obviously, you know, with this, with this being the first week of this very odd, odd, odd NFL season, uh, not, not too much that we could take away here for sure, but still, some very interesting things going on around the league uh, coming up. Next, we're going to be joined by Kate Magic, who's going to come in from the Locked On Dynasty podcast to talk to us about how to save our fantasy seasons with, for, for Luke and I are already in dire straits. so We have that coming up for you next year on Locked On NFL. Luke, I don't know if you ever heard the story, uh, but when I, I was—I'm so excited! Oh uh, Yes, yeah, so well, when I started with you know uh, the the lockdown and everything that was going on and stuff, uh, auto theft was a big thing because everybody was just leaving their cars out on you know wherever, and you you were inside and things like that. And so somebody—I drive a truck. I drive a Toyota Tundra, and somebody uh, walked up and and literally stole the tailgate from my truck and I hope they did something great with it. I hope they, they got their tailgate fixed or something like that. I hope that it went to serve a good purpose, but it kind of stunk for me because I go out, you know, one day after being inside for two weeks, three weeks, and all of a sudden a literal entire piece of my truck is missing. And I just felt like I had gotten bamboozled, but thankfully, uh, we were able to get hooked up with uh, some really nice folks over at rockauto.com who are responsible for this show. They are uh, The show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Make sure you go and check them out. They are a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers for 20 years. So go and check them out, rockauto.com, and shop all of the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Any make, any model that you need, and any part that you need, they're going to have a bunch of different versions of. And the best part is that whether you're a do it yourself or you are a professional you're gonna pay the same price and that price is usually a fraction of what you're gonna find over at the brick and mortar shops. so don't go out there and spend twice as much for the same parts when you can from the comfort of your own couch at home Save a ton of money and get exactly what you need. So go and check them out, rockauto.com. Go visit them right now and see all the parts that they have available for your car or truck. And don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you by writing Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that you came here after listening to today's show. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts that your car will ever need over at rockauto.com.
0: All right, everybody, I'm here. We're here with Kate Magic of Locked On Dynasty and Ball Blast Football and the ringer in the Locked On Dynasty Fantasy Football League. Uh, How's it going, Kate?
1: I'm doing awesome. We have a week one in the books. I'm so excited. What a week it was. Um, But like the best part of it, it doesn't really matter how you did in fantasy, though I did great. Uh, It really just matters. We had a week of football. How good does that feel?
0: It feels fantastic.
1: Let's, yeah, talk, about really week, <laughs> Let, let's so talk about
0: good. the week, though. Let's talk about the week. So th- there's every week that I feel like there's two or three guys that, like, they won you your week. So can you talk about, like, who those people were, the real superstars that stood out and, and put the team on their back this week?
1: Oh, absolutely. Got to be Josh Jacobs. Um, not exactly a, a huge surprise there. Carried the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, boy, is that odd to say at this point Um, it's been one of my favorite it's been
2: one of my favorite quirks about the first week is hearing everyone say the oakland uh i'm sorry i mean the las
1: vegas (laughs) you you start to write the date and you realize you're still writing like 2015
0: right years later
1: It, it never never sounds totally right but um josh jacobs absolutely dominated on the ground i was super excited to see him get a little bit more involved as a receiver totaled six targets on the week 46 receiving yards, which I believe is a career high for him. Super exciting. Um, I think one of the best winners, though, is Malcolm Brown. Um, sort of came out of left field. We heard some, some buzz that he might be getting the, the lead back role. We saw a lot of Cam Akers, but uh, just wasn't super efficient. Um, you know, he, he got a lot of touches, but Malcolm Brown definitely looked better uh, between the tackles. Um, definitely looked better you know it just overall um, and and the team definitely trusted him in the end zone he wound up with two touchdowns and you know if you uh, maybe had uh, you know somebody else in that uh, situation that like a, a Miles Sanders where you had to start Malcolm Brown you're thanking your lucky stars
2: right Yeah, he kind of was able to come out of nowhere for you, for sure. Um, I had him in one of my leagues as well as uh, Josh Jacobs, so it totally worked out for me. uh, I was really glad (laughs) to be able to get both of those guys going because I had a little bit of a panic attack when it came down to Miles Sanders. Uh, Looking ahead to next week, who are some of the people that you're anticipating being top performers looking ahead to week two?
1: Looking ahead to week two, um, you know, I I think – what we're mostly trying to figure out is um, who's going to continue to, to carry those workloads. Um, you know, we saw Devonte Adams obviously be heavily involved. Um, Juju Smith, Sh- Sh- Juju Smith Schuster um, had a nice bounce back tonight, had six targets, six receptions uh, looked efficient. And so did the rest of the Steelers. Um, I'm, I'm super intrigued uh, by uh, just the overall target share that we saw from James and Crowder, uh, even with the uh, stifling Bills defense, um, you know I, I think he just became that natural go-to target for um, became that natural go-to target. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, for Sam Darnold, um, you know he really could end up being like a, a monstrous PPR value, 13 targets. Um, you know, did break off one for a, a long touchdown, but has some some true potential there to to have some major value there. And you, you got him in the the late round if if you know if you didn't even pull him off your waiver. So um, I, I'm intrigued by by all of these options. Um, Naeem Hines, I, I I think is also a, a name we need to uh, consider as somebody having flex appeal. I know uh, the Colts have come out to say that, you know, Jonathan Taylor is the starter, but we saw a lot more of Naeem Hines than I think we would have expected. So, yeah. uh, if you're looking for a, a startable asset in PPR leagues, I think Naeem Hines might be that uh, gross feeling uh, <laughs> PPR uh, monster. They get Minnesota next week. I don't know if we should expect Danielle Hunter back, but that defense looked atrocious. Um, you know, I, I think we should expect some, uh, big points from him, big points from the rookie, Jonathan Taylor.
0: Yeah. Hunter's on IR. So he definitely won't be back in that one. Um, yeah. and so am I, cause I went, Oh, and three, I'm in three leagues and I uh, took real big L's and none of them were even close. So I need some help. I need, I need the waiver secrets. I need the person who is going to, to rescue my season before it crashes and burns. And I'm like, zero four all over the place. <laughs>
1: I definitely can help you out there. Uh, one of my favorite targets, and uh, I, I think uh, probably one of the more popular names out there. So I think you might have to spend up James Robinson, uh, rookie for the, uh, uh, sorry, rookie for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, undrafted, uh, taking over for Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, they've they've had a slew of injuries behind him. Uh, Chris Thompson, we saw, wasn't very involved. James Robinson took 100% of the running back snaps in Jacksonville, uh, and the team really surprised us with their ability to move the ball, but more so with James Robinson. I was so impressed with what we saw between the tackles for this guy. Um, Only had 16 times 62 yards, nothing flashy, uh, but when you actually sit down and watch his tape, he had uh, some nice vision, uh, some really nice burst. Um, You know, if he continues to see a – uh, workload of, of, you know, 15 plus carries that came, he's definitely going to have some uh, sneaky, sneaky value. Um, another name, if he hasn't already uh, been drafted in your leagues, I think it's time to consider Sammy Watkins, like a viable fantasy starter. Uh, it feels really gross for me. I was totally out on Sammy Watkins this year, <laughs> last year, forever. Um, but he's actually had, uh, what about four, <laughs> Four consistent games where he was pretty heavily involved. He looks really good, really healthy, um, and and the the uh, Kansas City Chiefs definitely haven't lost any any missteps. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that there's definitely room to grow for uh, lots of these guys. But um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different names out there that surprised us, especially you know for the weight. Uh, For the wide receivers, uh, we had a ton of just absolutely random names finishing in the top 10 there. Um, And I I think that sort of might be indicative of what we're in for in this sort of uh, wonky season that we have with COVID.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Lots of of non-tackling going on across the NFL early on this (laughs) season without a preseason and without much of an offseason. Uh, Kate, before we get you out of here, anything else that you want to add for everyone going into week two of fantasy now that we have had a successful week one here in the NFL?
1: I, I definitely want to say, uh, you know, I'm buying into uh, the Bills offense. I'm hoping they look a little bit better next week. But uh, Josh Allen, I, I was projecting him this season to uh, regress a little bit as a rusher. We heard him say that uh, he was planning to run less. It looks like he is still planning to be the team's RB1. Stefan Diggs looks awesome. <laughs> uh, John Brown looks amazing. I I am a Steelers fan, but I find myself uh, very excited for this Bills offense. So uh, I think they, they might be one of the league's more uh, fantasy-relevant teams, which is is absolutely crazy to say.
0: That's very exciting. A fun Bills, I think, is good for everybody. But, Kate, thank you so much for your time, for helping me with my woes.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Locked On NFL. I'm Luke Braun with Locked On Vikings. I'm here with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. This episode has been brought to you by Pepsi. Of course, you can also follow Kate at FF ball blast on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL and Ross is at Ross Jackson. N O L
1: a thank you guys so much for listening and hanging out and we will see you all next week.